and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. This week, as always, we have another super amazing woman for you, dubbed by Best Self Magazine as the excuse buster from Down Under. We've got Lizzie Williamson. Lizzie is a certified personal trainer, integrative nutrition health coach speaker, host of the Excuse Buster Show, and author of Two Minute Moves. After the birth of her second child, Lizzie was diagnosed with postnatal depression. One day on her way home from the doctors, she knew right there and then that she had to take action. Knowing she only had a few minutes to herself each day, she decided to insert exercise back into her life straight away. But her head was bombarded with excuses like, I'm too overwhelmed, I'm too tired, I don't know how to start, I won't be able to stick to it, I don't have time, I've got too much to do. And there was this stronger voice that kept saying, move! She kept saying to herself, move. It became her daily mantra and made herself the promise to move for two minutes despite being the last thing she felt like doing. This is how the birth of her two-minute moves came to life. Her workouts have been featured on the Today Show, Studio 10, Good Morning America, Lorna Jane's YouTube channel and more. Lizzie was a professional dancer and after she became a mum, used movement to help overcome postnatal depression. Her two-minute moves are shared each week to thousands of people who have become part of her ever-growing community. It's now time to tune into this one extremely creative human being. Enjoy. Well, today we have another super special guest for you, one that's quite close to Melbourne, uh, over to New South Wales, not too far. We have Lizzie Williamson. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you for having me. It's nice to uh, have someone so close. I think it's. Uh, I think sometimes the time difference can be uh, a little bit challenging at times. Yeah, that's right. Is the sun shining where you are? Oh, it is today, which is good. Yes, same. It's really nice. Beautiful. So, Lizzie, we always love to ask our women of inspiration to start off with their story. So what's your unique story and what inspired you to do what you do today? It's interesting because my story is something that I never, when I was there, would have imagined that this would become my unique story and it would become the thing that propelled me to give back to other people and to find the thing that really, really fueled me. Because when I was in it, it just felt like I was never going to get out of it. 
and it felt like the worst possible place to be and there was no way I could see any positives from it. And where my story in all of this really begins is when I had a baby and a toddler. It was 10 years ago and I had really hit rock bottom. I had... I was experiencing this anger that I'd never experienced before, like scary kind of anger, screaming at my kids. I remember picking up my toddler and just going to shake her and screaming at her that I couldn't do do this anymore. And she looking at me in the eyes like she was terrified and thoughts of throwing my baby out the window and this voice in my head, this constant I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. And I felt at that time so completely stuck, so overwhelmed, so ashamed that I wasn't coping with all that I had. You know, a I had a husband. I have a husband. I had a place to live. I had two healthy children. I had a supportive family. And yet here I was not coping and that shame that I felt really stopped me from telling a soul about how I was feeling. I would just pop a fake smile on my face and look around me and see all the other mums coping and having this great time and loving every minute of motherhood and I was there constantly on the brink of of tears and there was many times I had to run out of one of those play groupy type things that you go along to as a new mum. And so I was there thinking there was just, I just wanted out. And one day at that really rock bottom time, I was there sitting on the floor, baby and toddler upstairs, just crying out. And I was there and I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. And that voice in my head I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to kill myself, just got louder and louder. And my husband actually came home and he saw me there and I'll never forget his face. He was just looking at me like he couldn't really recognise this person in front of him, what had happened to me, what had happened to all of this. And he took me by the hand and he lifted me up and he said in a very compassionate way, you know, you falling apart means this whole family is falling apart. Please, please go and get some help. And so that's what I did. I called my doctor feeling like an absolute failure, thinking she was just going to tell me what I was telling myself, which was get over it. What have you got to complain about? What have you got to be um, not coping about? Uh, But she didn't. She said, you know, you have postnatal depression. And I thought to myself, no, I don't. I don't have depression. I'm not someone who gets depressed. I'm a very positive person and I'm a, a, a coper person and I can I take action and I can do things. And, and she also said to me, you know, when you get on the plane and they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first, that's what you have to do. And so I got home and I I knew I only had a few minutes until my family was going to charge through the door and I thought about those words and they really puzzled me because I thought being a good mum meant 
that I was supposed to give everything to everyone and everything else. I was supposed to be selfless and that's what made me a good mum and a good person. But there was something about those words as well when I thought, okay, well, I need to try something. I need to, this is, you know, I'm missing out on this time I'm never going to have again with the baby and the toddler. And, and so that's when I thought, okay, oxygen mask, what can my oxygen mask be? And I thought, okay, well, maybe my oxygen mask can be exercise because I used to be a dancer and I love to move my body and I'd stop doing anything and I went, okay, even though it was the last thing I felt like doing, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do some exercise. I'll do a home workout. Tomorrow I'll do a home workout. Um, and so the next day I turned on an episode of Play School for my kids and I went to my kitchen bench and I thought, okay, this can be my ballet bar and I'm going to do this. You know, I had 22 minutes after the show was on, I'm going to do this 22-minute home workout. And so I started doing some plies, which are like these leg bends and some raising up and down of my legs at the back, like I was back in my ballet bar. And Rick, I got just like a couple of minutes until, of course, one of my girls screamed out to me. And that was all I got. And my first instinct was to go, too hard. I just, you know, there you go. There's, there's no way I can do anything. I can't do this whole oxygen mask thing. I don't have the time. I've got kids with me all the time. I don't have the energy. And But there was just something that happened in that moment, those few minutes of me doing this little thing for myself where I felt this, this feeling that I hadn't felt for a very long time. And it was a feeling of hope and this feeling that I, I could, here was something that I could do. And it actually made me feel like I had, you know, a little bit of strength. And it just made me feel this tiny bit better, not this major quick fix, just this little thing. And so that was the thing that I started doing. Every day, I went back to my kitchen bench the next day and the next, and sometimes again would only have a couple of minutes. But it became this little coping tool that then led to me doing other things, getting more help, speaking out to people, um, telling people how I was feeling. It was like it was my first little steps to feeling better again. Mm, wow. So obviously this is how Two Minute Moves came to life. Yeah, because it was a, a gradual thing. I certainly didn't the next day turn on a video camera and share it with everyone. It was it was a very gradual change of, of mindset and this realisation that, oh, man, I have all these rules around what exercise and self-care has to look like and it had to look like what it was before I became a mum and I was there stuck at home with two children and, you know, those days where I could just walk out of the house whenever I wanted to and go do an, an hour hardcore boxing class and then have, you know, a juice with a friend afterwards. And so because I couldn't do that anymore, I was doing nothing. I just thought, well, that's what exercise, self-care has to be, like the long bath, the candles, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, total change of mindset from this all or nothing um, to, 
oh, wow, actually something is so much better than nothing and these little things that I was doing, uh, you know, I'd look back after a week or two weeks and think, oh, gosh, that's actually made me feel like I've achieved something. And so there was this massive, massive ripple effect that came from that. I, I love it. And, Lizzie, also, you know, you've – You've really gone through a big transformation from, uh, and it's a common thing, although uh, I, I agree, women probably don't come out because of the shame of having postnatal depression, but it is quite common these days. And I love the fact that you moved, when you think about it, from a scale, emotional scale point of view, you've moved quite a lot from shame to hope. That was a big dramatic move. Even that little step that you were talking about, just that couple of minutes that you got in, that was, that was, was that that radical shift that made uh, the change for you? Oh, yes, that feeling of hope. I will seriously never forget it. And it's interesting because it was so little. It was this little feeling. It wasn't just like this, boom, I've got so much hope. It was just like this little tingle, like deep down inside of me. And I certainly held on to that shame of it for for a long time but what actually helped me shift from shame was the talking Mm. without a doubt and it took me I mean when I went to my doctor I didn't even tell her that I was having those thoughts um, that I described to you there's I was way too ashamed I didn't tell anyone that for years and years I thought I was so ashamed and now I look at that and I think why was I so ashamed I'm not ashamed anymore and the reason I'm not is because I now talk about it to people and I share that with with people and and I don't feel the the shame anymore because I've spoken out about it Mm, I love it. I love it. For our listeners, do you want to explain what you do? So maybe take, talk us through the two-minute moves. Yes. So what happened, the journey from, you know, when I that first little workout I did at my kitchen bench to where I am now is I actually did a few years later start filming myself doing these workouts to send to friends of mine or friends, relatives that they had said to me, you know, they're not coping and they – um, they have depression, anxiety, but they can't exercise because we know that exercise is one of the best things you can do when you're in that state of mind. But it is one of the hardest things to get yourself to do, which is what's such a shame about the, the whole exercise thing. It's the best thing to do, but it's the hardest thing to do in that time. So I just started sharing the little workouts for them not saying, hey, here's your big solution, but hey, maybe this is one little thing that you can include in your your treatment and recovery and prevention that might help you just that little bit like it did for me. And then I started getting such a great response from those people and then I started sharing them on um, on social media and to building a community and then wrote a book and started getting out on TV and all of that stuff. So these workouts are really about busting through the excuses and obstacles that we tell ourselves of why we can't exercise. And most of us have 
got those things, that voice in our head says, I don't have the time today to exercise because I've, um, you know, I've got to get this housework done. I've got to meet this deadline and I don't have the energy to exercise. I can't get out of the house because it's, it's raining. So I can't exercise. I don't have the motivation. I hate exercise all of those things. So I guess I've gone on a journey to look at how can I deliver something for people so that they can't tell those things to themselves anymore. They, those, you know, I, whenever I walk around where I live in the Northern Beaches and people kind of often duck when they see me because they look at me like I'm the exercise police. I'm like, oh, we really want to be exercising. We just don't have the time. And that's, I heard that so many times. And that's when I started saying, do you have two minutes? Because you don't need an hour to exercise. Start with two minutes. And because with that two minutes, when you do that, then your body goes, oh, that felt really good. I feel a bit better in myself now. My mood feels this little bit better. I feel this little bit stronger. And your body sends those messages going, can you do that again? And, and again and again. And so that's the idea of two minutes. One, to brush the excuses. Two, to make it a lot more fun. So I love to use things like wine bottles and when you're out doing the washing, do some squats. When you're brushing your teeth, do some wide squats. And so you make it fun and make it really easy to actually incorporate into your day. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. When you talk about excuses, I'm I'm um, very uh, familiar with excuses because I know it took me I used to run a fair bit and to get back into it there was always like it's too cold it might be raining I feel tired sleep is more important like so how do we bust through those excuses when we hear that little voice telling you not to do it well it's it's not easy to do and yet it is easy to do it's one of those it's easy not to do it's easy to do so I really love to, to look at those excuses and dig a little bit deeper with them. So with the, the no time excuse, it's really good to look at it and go, okay, how much time do you actually need to, to exercise today? Why does it have to be this, this perfect situation that you've, you've got set up? Why does it have to look like that? Because I know myself and a lot of us have got that idea that, well, if it can't look that certain way, then we don't do it. Well, we plan to go to that yoga class. Ah, oh, can't get there. Kids are sick. Well, then we don't even think to go, okay, well, why don't I do a few sun salutations and downward dog on the floor here? So digging a little bit deeper with those excuses, but then also making it a whole lot easier for ourselves to do it and looking at those little ways like in the, you know, that say that take that early morning jogging one what are the little things that you can do to make it a bit easier well you can take snooze off your alarm that's if you're using your iphone you can take the snooze button off you can have your clothes there ready for you to go down to your knickers socks everything you can get a friend out there waiting for you so you're not going to let your friend down we let ourselves down but we will not let that that friend down, looking at um, what time you're going to bed the night before. So actually, rather than just thinking, believing that excuses voice, taking a bit of action on it, like you would if your kids had a problem, if you had a problem at work, you'd look at it and you go, okay, how can I actually find a solution and, and make this much easier for ourselves? 
I love the way that you incorporate movement in your day. So whether you're brushing your teeth or, you know, that's something that I've not, I don't think of doing. But now that you've said that, I thought there's so many things I can do actually uh, that will increase that two minutes, just even uh, from cooking to cleaning to, gosh, so many things. That's right. We can turn our days into a much more active thing. And in a way we have to because, I mean, our ancestors didn't have to you know, go to the gym or find all these other ways to get active. They were they were active, whereas we are sitting down a whole lot more. We um, Everything is so much more committed. We don't have to wash our own clothes by hand. Uh, we don't have to go chop up the firewood or go out to, you know, the chickens to get the eggs. Everything is so convenient. So in a way, it's really vital that we do find ways to get our bodies more active, not only just for the you know, the physical appearance of them. I just feel like this exercise thing goes way, way deeper than, you know, getting the six pack or getting the the toned triceps. I just feel like it's one of the most incredible things that you can do for the way that you way that you feel, the way that um, you operate, um, your your mood. It just goes much, much deeper. And then there's also you know, the um, underlying physical benefits of, um, of exercise that you get and when it comes to your heart because on the recording of today, it's, it's World Heart Day. Oh, wow. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So um, We knew that. Yeah. We did it on purpose, right? We did it on purpose, exactly. And so I just think it's wonderful for us to look at exercise and it's been sold to us this certain way. And there's a lot of people benefiting for you thinking you have to uh, go to the gym, um, you have to do this certain class, it has to be this type of fad. And we look at exercise so often as separate, it's a separate little thing, another thing that we have to do on our very, very full to-do list. But what instead, if we also looked at it, going to the gym is brilliant, but if we also looked at it and went, okay, this exercise, it's more this movement thing. How can we get our bodies moving more because they are so designed to move more than what many of us are doing? So true. And I think there's a lot of research now. The sitting is the new cancer, right? And movement from a psychological has uh, a point of view, has so many benefits. Like you were saying, you know, for anxiety to depression, movement is key. Your brain, Wendy Suzuki is a brain, leading brain neuroscientist. She's done a fantastic TED talk. And she says that exercise is the most transformative thing that you can do for your brain. And you feel it. If you've been sitting down working, you know, you, and that's what we do. We've got, we've got to fit a whole lot into our day. So we just get on that computer and slam it out and go, 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 and don't think for a minute that, to get up or anything. You feel it that your, your brain starts to go, oh, and your body in a way goes to, into sleep mode. Your heart starts to slow down. Your metabolism starts to slow down. Your body gets stiff, your spine becomes more inflexible, your glutes get weaker. And rather than going, okay, why don't I just spend a couple of minutes every half hour, even every hour, or every time I'm on the phone, standing up, having a little walk on the spot, having a little shake out, having a little stretch. And that does such wonders, as research tells us, to your productivity and to your memory and your creativity. 
So true. Even when I think about sometimes for me exercise, I think I can't be bothered, but I know the end result, I always feel good afterwards. But that initial, oh, I've got to get dressed or changed and, you know, it's, it's about ignoring that little voice in your head. Oh, man, I get that voice too. We all get that voice. It's like it's almost like how somehow something in us does not like this whole exercise movement type of thing. And I think it goes back to those days where we had to conserve energy for when we had to do our, you know, our big sprints and our big bursts of energy. And what I like to say to myself on those times, it's like my check-in. When I think to myself, oh, I really can't be bothered doing this. Oh, I'll just stay home. I really should be, you know, helping my kids do this thing rather than go out for a run or whatever. And that is my little signal to myself when I'm protesting that I need to do it the most. When I feel like my motivation is down, when I'm saying to myself, I don't want to do this, I can't do this, then that is my signal. Okay, hold on a second. You must, you probably really need this now. And what I've come to understand about my own motivation, and I've seen it in a whole lot of other women as well, is that it's the action that precedes motivation. It's not motivation and then you take the action. So when you take that action, that's when you begin to feel motivated and therefore you start to build the momentum of it. And I know for myself that if I stop doing like exercise, for example, say I was going out for a walk or jog every morning. This is certainly something I did when I wrote my book because I wrote my book at 5 a.m. every morning for a year for an hour and I went out walking when I was doing it. So I did it in a voice memo and I knew that if I missed a day, then it would be so easy to say to myself, oh, the next day, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Do it. Because I knew, know this power of momentum and that's why the whole two-minute moves thing is so effective, I think, because you can keep that momentum even if it is 20 push-ups at your kitchen bench. That is still action that breeds motivation and that keeps that momentum going. I love that. It's so true. Action does breed motivation without a doubt. So Mm. Lizzie, the other thing we love to ask our woman of inspiration is about pain points. What would be some of your pain points in either business or life and how do you work through them? Expectations is my downfall, I think. I've been really working on that because when my book was published, so this was almost a year ago, and I had the highest expectations. I thought here I was with this book that took years to do. I had this great publisher and distributor and and all, you know, these spots on morning TV. And I just felt like that the world was going to open up to me and that everything was going to come my way. I knew I'd still have to work really hard, but I just thought this was it. This was going to be this massive success. Not just, it wasn't so much the book sales. It was just more, here I am with this book. It's just going to be incredible, all the opportunities. And that didn't happen at all. (laughs) And I went down and I really, really wasn't rock bottom, but I really went down pretty hard. And I remember this one day where I had booked a um, a speaking gig at a a bookshop and it got cancelled because there wasn't enough 
people that were coming. It was really close to Christmas, but still, it, they hadn't had enough booking, so they called me and said, look, we're going to cancel it. And I went and I got a bottle of champagne and I took it to this to this lookout point and I popped a bottle. I tried to get some friends to come with me, but no one was around. And I just had a glass of champagne and said to myself, I don't know whether I can, I can do this anymore. I don't know whether I can um, keep going with this lots of unmet expectations, all the disappointments that are coming from putting myself out there. And, yes, there was a lot of highs and a lot of great things, but there was a lot of lows as well. And, um, and I remember just being there and I said to myself, you know, you actually don't have to do this. No one's really going to it's not going to hurt anyone really if you don't do this anymore maybe this is just hurting yourself doing this you keep getting upset your expectations aren't met and I said do you really want to do this and I sat there looking out in, in the ocean and it was a definite yes I have to keep doing this but I have got to pull these expectations back and realize that, you know, what is the most important thing here, and this has taken me a bit of a while from that moment to now. It's taken me a lot of sitting on my uh, my meditation rock, um, asking myself what I need to do to make this so it's not such a high, low, high, low and unsustainable thing. And my answer is... This is not about the the success. This is not about the results. This is about every day. What am I doing to to help someone and to serve someone and to take the lessons that I have learnt, which is all about the power of exercise. Something that I feel so strongly about that I cannot keep to myself. And as long as each day that I have taken some action and served in some way that makes me feel fulfilled that is what it is all about mm, I've got goosebumps I love it and you know what I think that we all set expectations on ourselves and I think if anything from my experience expectations always lead me to disappointment because they're my expectations and sometimes they're really out there they're not even achievable but it's just this you know, big audacious goal or dream that I want to achieve. But And I also really appreciate, Lizzie, your honesty as well. I think there's a lot of us out there, entrepreneurs, women in business, women in general, that uh, set themselves these big audacious goals, have high expectations, and uh, because they see other people get it all and have it all. And I want yeah. to be one of those people too. But in, in, in reality, it's not always like that. It's about the journey. The, the journey, the, the keep on going, the, even if it takes a lot longer than you think it's going to, to go and that idea of, um, yeah, rather than setting those, those expectations that are quite broad, like I actually, when I look at that, I go, what actually did I want to happen? And I didn't have any specifics. I feel like I just had this, oh, is this going to open up? Whereas what works much better for me is when I've got a specific, and it can be a really big goal, but it, when I take it much more specific, and I think that takes it out of expectations and into I'm just going to keep working 
towards that. I'm going to keep working until I'm on the, you know, um, 100 most influential fitness people because I've come at this with a whole new approach to exercise. I'm going to keep working until I'm on the Ellen show doing some crazy toothbrushing workouts with her. It's a big difference, I feel, the specific going towards something and rather than these this, this broad expectations that hasn't been clarified what it actually is. I love that. And it's so true. I mean, it goes back to as simple as the SMART goals. It is about getting really specific on what you want to achieve. Sometimes our goals are just very broad. And Mm. I think that there's no clarity. So then when you get down to the specifics, there's a lot more clarity and you sort of know which path you're going to take because you know exactly what the end looks like. Mm. Mm, Love it. So Lizzie, the other thing we love to ask our woman of inspiration is if you had to pick one word that best describes your personal brand, what would that be? It's positivity. And when I get on camera and I really want that person that I'm talking to to in some way from what I'm doing feel good and to feel like, I don't know, I really, my intention is always to put some type of, of smile on their face, even if it isn't this giant big, this is the most fun video I've ever watched ever, but just this, this feeling of, oh, yeah, this is, this, I feel really good in some way for watching that so I think the word is is positivity but it's sort of more um there's no real word but the idea I see my brand and I see a really big smile (laughs) I love it and it sounds like you really are focused on your audience not so much yourself because I hear that quite often when people get on camera there's a lot of shame around was I good enough? Was I smiling enough? Oh, I look, you know, and you're, you're, you're quite critical of yourself. But for you, it's, it's all about your audience. It's about putting a smile on their face. I remember the first time I did a speaking gig and that was a workshop in my house and I advertised, you know, this first workshop years ago and I was standing out the back before any, anyone was there yet, absolutely terrified of um, what everyone was going to to think of me and really um, do I really know what I'm talking about and who am I to say all this and blah 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 and there's just something came over me and I just thought this is not about you this is about the person that you are trying to help they this is really take the attention off yourself and onto them and that would have been about four years ago and I'll never forget that moment. I know exactly where I was standing. And so every time that I, um, I, yeah, I get on camera, I, I speak, I think this, yeah, this is not about me. And I, when I heard Liz Gilbert talking about, or was it Brené Brown? I can't remember, but they were doing the, the Oprah Super Soul, the tour thing. And they, um, she was absolutely terrified uh, you know working on this speech and she was backstage and she said that she thought you know what no one out there needs your your insecurities and your whatever that nasty voice is telling yourself 
what they need is for you to come out and and be yourself, be vulnerable, but also come out there with with confidence in in yourself as well and give them the confidence to do what it is that they want to do. They no one actually needs that um yeah that that unfounded insecurity. Mm. Do you know the other thing I really love about you Lizzie it's the 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 genuine and authentic it's uh because of what you do it's almost like I know that even for myself if I've seen people like yourself and I look at you and you look absolutely amazing in my mind I just think oh you know before I, I found out what you did but I would look at you and go wow she must work really hard to look like that but the way that you've gone about it it doesn't have to be so hard you can incorporate it and still look um perfect like you do uh, <laughs> and you know what I mean but but I love the fact that you also like you have these expectations like you can talk really honestly about um you know I guess the pressures you put on yourself you know being being I guess um in the light doing what you do with your two minute moves um you know would that I, I I'm I'm presuming very much presuming that would put on a little bit of extra pressure on yourself yeah I have always struggled with body demons and I was a dancer, so that's a bit pass and parcel. I was working on a cruise ship when I was 18 and um, one of the the bosses said to a few of us, myself included, that we needed to lose weight and that started a real battle for me with with body demons and a real actual um, change of think of in a way celebrating my body as a really strong dancer to to thinking oh okay I have to make this body of mine perfect and so then when I came into the fitness industry totally always struggled with that idea you know to be taken seriously as a as a fitness person that I have to have this perfect body and other people might describe my body as perfect. I look at someone else's body and think that's a perfect body and she's there thinking, my God, my body is so not perfect. That person's body is is, is perfect. And then having two daughters, this constant battle with myself, I thought I have got to, I have got to fix this and somehow I've got to find a way in this fitness industry which is very focused on what, people want which is to transform their bodies how do I actually get um speak to this industry um in a way that still breaks through but in a way that I can still look my daughters in the eye and tell them the exact same thing that I'm telling a mum out there that I that I'm training and that has been a massive journey for me and I've always liked to share I did it the other day to my community um, because I was going on the Today Show and my body demons just came in big time to me that, oh, you know, your, your body's not good enough for Today Show. That's not what a, a fitness professional needs to look like. And so it's just this constant work of, okay, what do I need to do to keep loving myself? But also I need to make sure that I share this as as well because um, I, I am aware that, yeah, people could – could look at me and just and think oh well yeah she's not she's not struggling with with her body she's you know she's fit she's got this certain body size um but it's uh, something that I really want to get out that it doesn't actually matter 
what your body looks like, you can still hate it. And most of us need to do that daily work like I've been doing for years to to try and and love it and embrace it. Mm, I know. I hear you loud and clear. clear. Mm. Uh, another thing we love to ask our woman of inspiration is three shiny golden nuggets. So as we wrap up the show, what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine and – start of the year and she said to me um my year this is going to be my year of of health and I said what does that mean and she said well I've been going through this this breast cancer treatment and I know what I need to do is is exercise um every medical professional that she'd spoken to said to her exercise 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 this is one of the keys to recovery and prevention but she said to me I'm still not doing it I am getting to the end of my day and getting to bed and say, oh, man, I meant to exercise and I haven't. And so I said to her, what I'm going to say to you is tonight when you are brushing your teeth, get your toothbrush with your toothpaste, get ready to brush, take your legs out a little bit wider than your hips, turn your toes out, bend your knees over your toes down into a wide turned out leg squat and you're going to go up and down, up and down, and then do some little pulses, little heel raises for two minutes, and there you go. That's all you have to do every single night. Do that this week. And then I heard from her at the end of the week. She's like, this is brilliant. I've been doing this every every night, and now months later she is the full F45 fanatic and is totally into exercise. What she needed and what so many of us need is a first little step. And rather than looking at this big, right, this week I'm going to do five hours of exercise and do this and, and eat properly and quit sugar and have no more bread, what's a little thing that you can do every single day, one little thing. And the toothbrushing thing is a really, really good place to start. Or maybe for you it's 20 push-ups at your kitchen bench once you've turned on the kettle or the blender or the toaster. That's your moment that that you that you do a little something so that would be my one my two second one would be to find a regular time in your day that you can apart from you you've got your brushing your teeth but where else can you find another time to to get moving and look at where you get to your day that you're feeling low in energy, that you feel your your mood drop, that you start to maybe, if you've got kids, get a bit cranky at them or you're feeling like this is the time that you go to the fridge or the cupboard and you're just looking for some sugar or something to, to keep you going or make you feel better. Look at when that time is and find a way at that time to move your body in some way. If you're home, can you turn on a, a song, your favorite song, and just start having a little a dance around? If you're at work, can you just walk outside and back for a moment or walk on the spot or roll down towards touching your toes? If it's something, if you're always going to the fridge, if you're an emotional eater and you're hating that, then is that the time that you can do some some squats there at your kitchen bench or some or some push-ups or a little jog on the spot or something like that. 
So the, the, the two is the brush teeth, the finding a way to move for your mood to help you out. And the third one, which I think is a really powerful one, and it certainly really has worked for me and I've, it's really practiced it, and it's looking at the way that you are talking to yourself. And every time I would look in a mirror, I would used to, you know, lift up my shirt and just check the, check my stomach and just go, oh, right, you know, my stomach's sticking out. Or look at yourself in the mirror and, and go, oh, you know, no, look what you've done. You're not nearly as, um, the same size. Used to be all those horrible things that we say to ourselves when we look in the mirror, going past a car window, checking yourself out and saying something nasty to yourself. And rather than doing that, every time you feel and you hear yourself do that, flip it. And say something kind about yourself. Say something that is great about you, that you love about yourself. It's really hard some days, but with practice and if you do it each day, I can tell you I never thought that I would get to a point where I wasn't saying nasty things about myself. And I very, very rarely do it anymore. And it's because of that constant practice of speaking to myself like I would talk to my daughters or to my best friend and doing that every single day. Oh, gosh, I love all of them. I'm sitting here with this mom because I just the other day was having a conversation with another lady on the show and we were talking about how can we be kind to ourselves in the way that we speak to ourselves. And uh, we're having a bit of a giggle because as we age, we, of course, we become wiser, but everything seems to go south. And mm. uh, and this is like, how do we then embrace those little, like when you see those little bumps in your thighs, it's like, oh, aren't they beautiful? I'm growing bumps. And yeah. instead of like, you know, you're fat, you're this, you know, it's, it's just like, how do you, like you were saying, how do you flip it and actually embrace it? Um, because basically what she was saying is the more that we speak uh, down to ourselves, really, or, or uh, you're actually disconnecting you, uh, from yourself by saying, "Oh, I've got fat hips or fat thighs." Oh, look, I've got cellulite. Oh, I'll look at my breasts or look at whatever that may be. In actual fact, she said, if you start embracing it, you start seeing yourself in a different light, and really start loving yourself, because all of these messages. Because um, your unconscious mind is listening to every word you utter. So there all those messages. It's like you're almost telling your body, grow some more bumps here. Grow it because the focus is so negative. It's going to give you more of that. Absolutely. And I love one of my favorite quotes actually is if we bring this back to exercise is exercise because you love your body not because you hate it, mm. because we often associate with exercise as a punishment for eating a certain way or trying to get our bodies to look this certain way rather than this is one of the most wonderful gifts that I can give to not only myself but in terms everyone around me because of what it does for me in terms of you know longevity, mood, all those things that we've talked about. So when I am out there exercising, this is actually – Say, me saying to my body, I love you and this is what I am going to do for you because I love you just the way you are for everything that you do for me. Oh, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So Lizzie, for our listeners, where is the best place for them to connect with you? I'm Two Minute Moves, so T-W-O, MinuteMoves.com and you can hop on there. I've got this really great way, 10 ways that you can 
um, easily integrates an exercise into your day. Some really fun little ways with wine bottles, washing baskets, toothbrushing, all of those. And you can sort of look and go, oh, yeah, okay, I can really see how my day can run with a bit more exercise in there. So that's twominutemoves.com, but also two minute moves on on Instagram and Facebook as well. I really, really would love to hear from you listening. If there's an excuse that you find that gets in your way or something that's actually worked for you as well when it comes to exercise, get in touch with me because I always love having those those conversations as you can probably hear from my voice I get quite passionate about this stuff yeah I know you I, I think the passion is oozing through this microphone <laughs> absolutely the other thing too you run a show you host the excuse uh buster show so for our listeners maybe check that out too for a little oh, bit more of inspiration yes. Yes, because I, you know, know all these, I, you know, hear from all these fabulous experts in their fields, and that's what they do as well. Meditation, mindfulness, money, food, all all sorts of things, and they help people make it make it easier for themselves to to do those things. I thought I want to talk to them and find out the little things that you know that they do or that they tell people to do that actually make a big difference and in helping you in do those things and every single show there is always something I mean I feel like I'm on this you know personal development (laughs) show because there's every there's always some little nuggets that I have implemented into my day like when I in um when I interviewed Amy Taylor Cabaz from Happy Mama she said this thing which was you repeat to yourself when you're you're with your kids or you're washing the dishes, whatever, only this in this moment. And I just, I have done that every single day since talking to her. And I could give you this massive list of what all these amazing um, women have said, these little ideas that you really practical things that you can do. So definitely check that out. There's just, there's some amazing and so many amazing people out there doing amazing things. And it's such a great thing to be able to speak to them. So for our listeners, I highly recommend check out Lizzie. Uh, Lizzie, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, you and sharing your wisdom, your energy as well. I feel like I've had a coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I feel like I've just had a coffee. Um, absolutely love your energy and uh, love what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So great to talk to you, Catherine. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.